scores! Gilmore scores! Off the glass, the left corner to Aguila. Aguila the left circle. Passing the yellow shot. Save made by Aguila. Three bounds. Another shot. They score! The Blades win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts! Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson. All right, we are underway. It is Monday, June 5th. Welcome to this hour of Flames Talk and welcome to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask how a restricted key system can keep your business safe even though employee even through employee turnover. Visit Calgary Lock and Safe. Yeah, Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson of Post Media along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're coming at you on this Monday from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Hey, Wes. What's up, buddy? Hey, buddy. You ready for for a juicy topic to kick off the hour? I love it. All about the salacious topics. Um, Should the Flames go after Alex DeBrinkett in a trade? Should the Flames be chasing down Alex DeBrinkett? Why do I ask that? More details in a second. My initial answer to that question is yes, absolutely. Do whatever it takes. That's a 40-goal scorer who's 25 with a right shot. However, I think it might be a little bit more nuanced than your initial thought. Here is the reason why I'm asking this. Uh, This comes from Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman on Monday, earlier on Monday. Uh, He posted this article on sportsnet.ca. It's just a short one, uh, just a little information blurb from him. I'll read it uh, verbatim to you. Uh, This from Elliot Friedman, quote, There is word Monday afternoon that the Ottawa Senators have begun examining the trade market for winger Alex DeBrinkin. One source referred to it as Ottawa's due diligence as, according to multiple sources, DeBrinkin recently indicated he wished to wait until the completion of the Senators' ownership saga before thinking of committing to a long-term extension. Even if the Senators pick a new owner in the near future, there's still the sale-closing process, which will take time. DeBrinkin needs a new contract for the coming season. He's one year away from unrestricted free agency. As a result, the team is considering all options, everything from taking them to arbitration to a trade. With the 23 NHL draft, oh sorry, with the NHL draft 23 days away, the Senators absolutely need to know what could be available in exchange. Neither GM Pierre Dorian nor agent Jeff Jackson would comment to Sportsnet unquote or end quote from Elliot Friedman let, on Monday. Let me just jump in for a second and yes. say, if Elliot ever needs someone to voice an audio book for him, I think you might be the guy. Yeah? I think so. I think that I did a decent job of reading that Strong without, start. without having you completely glaze over. Reading articles on the air isn't always the sexiest of uh, audio, but I did my best. It's rather juicy news, though. Absolutely. And... I think Alex DeBrinkett fits from a strict hockey perspective exactly what the Flames need. A pure scoring threat with a right shot. That's what Alex DeBrinkett is. The guy is an elite finisher. I know that he didn't have his greatest statistical year, specifically on the goal scoring front, but he is a two-time 41 goal scorer. He had 27 and 82 last year and had his third most productive overall season with 66 points. He's 25 years old, won't turn 26 
until December. He needs a new contract right now. Uh, he is a restricted free agent as it stands right now with arbitration rights and becomes eligible for unrestricted free agency in one year's time. So the summer of 2024 is the first time to bring it is eligible for unrestricted free agency. So essentially he's in exactly the same spot that Matthew Kachuk was last year. In fact, all, essentially identical because he also has the same $9 million qualifying offer that Matthew Kachuk had one summer ago. So that is the scenario with Alex Dabrinkit. So from a straight-up hockey standpoint, before we get into the realistic stuff, the logistics and the, you know, the real-world stuff, from a straight-up hockey perspective, yes, absolutely the Flames should be interested, and more than just interested, in Alex Dabrinkit because that's exactly what they need a right wing, right shot, pure scorer who's in his mid-20s. I'm glad you brought up Matthew Kachuk because I was just Googling to see exactly how many days it is. They they are one week apart in age. And so when we have this conversation that we've been having over and over and over again in Calgary about what a shame or or what a bummer it was to lose a 25-year-old just hitting his prime, a guy who can put the puck in the net, those guys are hard to replace, and, and that's the conversation we know that Matthew Kachuk asked out. We, we know that it wasn't the Flames' first choice to trade him, but now you're trying to replace that offense, and that is really hard to do. And Alex Dabrinkit, as you said, a right-handed shot, not yet 26 years old, is a guy who could do that. So, yes, from a, an X's and O's, from a where can we slot him in the depth chart, from a... Is this an area of need for for our club? All those boxes are checked. Absolutely, they are. From from a pure hockey standpoint, and we're going to get into the boring part in a second, but from a a pure, would you love to have this guy on the ice on October, though, whatever it is that they drop the puck on the next season? Yes, absolutely you would. And because of that, because the hockey fit makes nothing but 1,000% sense for the Flames, then, yeah, Craig Conroy, we believe, is in Buffalo right now for the 2023 NHL Scouting Combine, which goes all week in Buffalo, confirmed in Buffalo. We were talking about, is it in Buffalo? Yes, it is in Buffalo. Buffalo. Um, and so if if Pierre Dorian's there as well, Ottawa's a hop, skip, and a jump from Buffalo, I bet you Dorian will be there. Yes, then Craig Conroy should absolutely go and check in on it. But here is the reason. Anchor bar, would you say? Big meeting at Anchor Bar. Great spot. Um, Yeah, they absolutely need to check in and see if if there is a fit. But here's the problem, and here's where the unfortunate realism comes into the conversation. And I know the Flames are not going through an ownership saga like the Senators are right now. Uh, I know that there's not the uncertainty about who's going to be stewarding the franchise going forward in Calgary like there is in Ottawa. But do we think the ownership is the only reason why Alex Dabrinkit hasn't signed long-term or is wavering signing long-term in Ottawa? And the reason I ask that is because why the hell haven't they done it prior? He's been a senator for almost a year now. They've had the ability to do this for almost a year now. And I guess I just worry about an American kid with arbitration rights and a year away from UFA eligibility. I wonder a player like Debrinkit 
if you were the Flames or the Jets or another Canadian team trading for his rights, is there the interest to sign long-term? Because that's what you'd need to do. So realistically, I'm not as confident that it's an actual move that the Flames could be in on, unfortunately, right now. So yes, check in all day. See See what conversations could be had. Check in with the agent. 1,000%. Do your due diligence and then some because players like this don't hit the trade market on a very regular basis. But I guess I'm just skeptical that it would end up being a checkmark for the Flames. That would be my only worry. Well, you raise a great question about his hesitation based on ownership. I, I hadn't had an opportunity to read Elliot's report until you read it to me. And that was something that struck me as as kind of funny is what, what exactly does he need to know about the new ownership? What, what does a group that's willing to pony up $1 billion to buy the Ottawa senators have to prove to Alex to Or is there another reason that he doesn't want to be in Ottawa that he hasn't to this point committed long-term he's got, he's got a terrifying qualifying number right it nine million dollars as a restricted free agent is is the qualifying offer and it's a whole lot like at least matthew is coming off a 104 point season right with a nine million dollar not 66 offer. and dash 31 oh i didn't even take a look at the dash 31 and, and listen that number can get that number can get ugly in a hurry on a team that's struggling but Yes, you, you're not doing this trade. You're not even considering this trade without the green light from Alex Dabrinkit and his camp that he would be interested in something long-term in Calgary. Just like if you're in another city doing blank talk radio, you're not making a move to bring in Elias Lindholm without an indication that he's interested in sticking around long-term, especially a player of that age, when you're talking about Debrinkit's 25, when you're talking about a player who's in his 20s and has one year left on his contract, at this point, for a star player, you're just not paying the assets without knowing that yes, he's going to stay. percent And so this becomes a pretty short conversation if he is not interested in making a long-term commitment before the trade gets done. And yet, the contractual part of it becomes interesting because there's just not a lot of teams and the flames fit this description, but have some real interesting flexibility because of their pending UFAs. There are not a lot of teams with a bunch of cap room that they could clear or that they can work with. And so I wonder how the market develops for an Alex to Yes. Would a lot of teams love a right-handed shot? Who's only one year removed from scoring 41 goals. Absolutely. But how many, and I think we're going to talk about the salary cap a little bit later, how many teams can realistically fit that in? You know where he's going. Where? He's a Detroit kid. Okay. Detroit's got like $700 million of cap space. Would it surprise anybody if he ended up in Detroit? No, it absolutely wouldn't. And in that case, it's a pretty quick call for Craig Conroy that, you know, when he sits down with Pierre Dorian, that's not a second drink at anchor bar. You have four or five chicken wings and you've pretty more much ruled it out. Huh? I have an order of chicken wings. 
Well, you could talk about something else for the second that's true, half. That's no, that's fair. Yeah. Is it a fascinating option player-wise? Absolutely. Is Alex DeBrinkett interested in being a Calgary Flame? That would be the million-dollar question. And then we're talking about a guy who just last summer was traded for a first, a second, and a third-round pick. And the Ottawa Senators, maybe not the same type of package, but they're going to want to recoup the value. So the second part of that is, what would it take to bring him in? But as you said, it's probably more a conversation for Steve Eiserman. Or another team that has that type of cap room and probably isn't Canadian. And it's too bad, but it just kind of feels like, yeah, it's not going to. This guy is, uh, he's, he's, he and Dylan Larkin have very similar stories, except that Larkin has been in Detroit his entire life. Right. But different teams, but same academies in the Detroit area coming up through Detroit, then to the OHL. And, and it just, a team like that would make more sense. And, and this is the, this is the really frustrating part about the NHL right now is that it is a two or three tiered system right now. I mean, you have got, you have got players that are more interested in big U.S. markets, U.S. markets with no state tax. You've got all these. You've got all these different factors that go into where guys want to play. The media scrutiny that goes along with being on a Canadian team isn't for everybody right now. The look, Calgary's got everything that you'd need. And I'll probably never leave here, but it's not New York or Chicago or Los Angeles or or Nashville or Vegas. It's just, that's that's not what Calgary is. It's a great place to raise your family. It's a great place to live. I believe it's the fourth most livable city in the planet Earth, according to one of those most recent rankings. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Chicago's got the same buzz that Manhattan does. Of course it doesn't. It's uh, it's a 20th of the size or whatever it is. Do so, you do you mean to tell me? That Alex DeBrinkett would not base his decision on the most livable cities rankings? Probably not. I feel like I feel like multi-millionaires, every city's livable. You know? Yeah, you know what? I can make that place livable. You know, yeah. Van- oh yeah, Vancouver's got the highest housing prices in North America. I can probably still make Vancouver livable for myself. Yep. Hong Kong? Yeah, I can do that. Now we're really getting carried away on well, expansion. Uh, da- downtown London? Sure, I can make like if you're if you're <laughs> yeah. a multi-millionaire, most places are livable, right? So it just, it, it sucks because the NHL and, and pro sports, but the NHL has turned into a two or three tiered league when it comes to where you want to play. And unfortunately, almost every Canadian team, except maybe Toronto, is in the second tier at best. I'm sorry, Montreal's not competing the same way as some of the uh, U.S. markets with no state tax. Vancouver is not competing the same way. Certainly Winnipeg, Edmonton, Ottawa, and Calgary aren't competing. And then you've got the whole small market idea. Buffalo's a third-tier city. Columbus is a third-tier city. It just This is as much as Johnny Gaudreau signed there, which still blows my mind. Um, but like that, that is what the NHL is right now. So I don't think Alex Deprin could stay in Ottawa, and I would be stunned if he is. And if you're the Sens or any other of those teams in the lower tiers, you're probably going to have to overpay to get a guy like DeBrinket to stay long-term. So when you bring in the nuance of the conversation, it just feels less realistic that 
as much as a guy like Alex DeBrinkett, in my opinion, would be a home run acquisition if you're the Flames. It just doesn't seem realistic, unfortunately. Well, and when you talk about overpaying to get him to a specific market, that's where it really gets scary. This this is a player who is making a boatload of money already, right? Cap hit of $9 million, I believe, the last couple of seasons. Yeah. So if you're overpaying someone who's presumably going to want to raise on what he's making now, and he maybe doesn't want to be in your city, that and that's where... Or the, it's not that he doesn't want to be in your city, but he might want to be other cities yeah. more. Yeah, and and that's risky, and and yet that's a reality that any of these teams are are going to face. A player like Alex DeBrinket is not going to become available very often. So you make the call, you find out if there is a potential fit, but you certainly can't force that fit. Yeah. So in the end, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I'll read you a few texts though on it at nine sixty nine sixty. Uh, first of all, guys, come on. Friedman's audiobook guy would have to be Bieksa. Yeah, I think Bieksa would. It's a strong text yeah. there. Uh, well done. Well done. Uh, this says they wouldn't be able to afford that contract with all the other ones they have coming on. Good fit on paper, but not with Huberdeau and Uyghur and Kadri contracts. Uh, this says Debrinkit extension in place for Hannafin, a third round pick. And Coronado, would you guys do it? Would Ottawa? And that comes from Dylan and Revy, or Dylan on Pat's uh, six by six patio grilling up some veggie birds. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna need you to I'm gonna need you to vacate there, Dylan. I did not give you the did not give you the key. Um, I don't. I, I for a guy like Debrinket, it probably would have to end up being more than a third round pick in there. Um, that's a that's an A asset that you're trading away. A guy who scored forty one twice, whether you think he's going to do it or not is going to have some cash and and the 9 million dollar qualifying offer I does think I, I does think I do think makes it a little bit more reasonable so maybe something like that would I feel like the pick might have to be higher but maybe something like that would be up Ottawa's alley. Yeah, the only reason that the pick might not have to be as high is if they're swinging on a win now type trade. You know, the Ottawa Senators think they're close close to being a team that is perennially in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And so they might have less interest in, in turning to bring it into a pick. But in, in that case, I, I believe the offer we were talking about was Hannafin, a third and Matt Coronado. Yeah. Well, they're either going to want more future pieces in, in probably a first round pick, or they're going to want more now pieces. I don't think a blend of both like that. That's probably fair. Uh, this is from Kyle. Patty, I tend to agree with you 99% of the time, but I firmly disagree on this one. Run, run, run away from Debrinket. This is a guy that I see signing a big deal and falling flat on his face and being an absolute boat anchor contract. His shot is elite, but every other skill is average. Everything about this guy says he regresses early in his career. The only thing that I would counter that with is a guy that just had a career season in Calgary by the name of Tyler Toffoli, whose shot is elite and finishing ability is elite. And I think Debrinket is even at a higher level than that. Is Debrinket the fastest skater? Nope. Is he elite defensively? By no means. He he struggles in his own zone. But his ability to score from the flanks, his ability to score from anywhere close to the house area is high end. You don't get 41 twice. This ain't Jonathan Chichu. Like this guy is this guy's in Good the reference. 30. 
it's a it's a gimme. He's the one guy you're like, okay, he's never scoring fifty again. Um, like this guy is a is pretty automatic for the thirty goal range every year. Had twenty seven last year, but prior to that, uh, there was a a nineteen twenty season where things were down a little bit. But you take a look at his goal total since entering the league as a rookie, twenty eight. Sophomore, 41. 19-20 was cut short, but he would have had about 21 or 22 probably when it was all said and done. Then 32-41 and this year, 27. So this guy is not a guy who has scored 30. He's a 30-goal scorer. He's maybe even a 40-goal scorer because he's done it twice. But at the very, very worst, I think you're talking about a 30-goal guy, and that's something that a team like the Flames could absolutely use with a... Every team could, but a team starved for scoring and natural scoring like Calgary was last year absolutely could use it. It's just the actual ability to acquire and retain is where I pump the brakes a little bit more. Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head there. Every time a high-end offensive player is rumored to be available this summer, we're going to have conversations about whether the Calgary Flames should be pursuing that player because the Calgary Flames need offense. They need a finisher. And if they can find that guy this summer, it's going to make a big difference. Now, could Matt Coronado in three years be that guy? And and I'm not saying we're not going to see him in the NHL, but, you know, three years from now, is he at, an elite finisher or a guy nearing that who knows, but you're going to need to put the puck in the net more often next season. Yep. And Coronado might help with that too, but it's going to take a while to get established. Good stuff on the text line on that topic. Wanted to start with a little bit of a juicy one. It's Pat and West this hour on flames talk. We also have some coaching news. So a couple names off the board. Neither of these names have been linked to the flames though. Blue jackets yet to be official, but at some point we think this week we'll name Mike Babcock, their head coach at some point. Someday they'll name Mike Babcock their head coach. Uh, The Ducks have also hired Greg Cronin as their head coach. Uh, He's been the last five years head coach with uh, a team that uh, Mitch Love and the Wranglers would know very well, the Colorado Eagles. Um, But Jim, uh, sorry, Greg Cronin, not Jim Cronin. Yeah, Greg Cronin is the new head coach of the Anaheim Ducks. So where does that leave the Flames? Well, the search sounds like it is into the next phase. This coming from Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman on Monday's Jeff Merrick show. You can hear it live at 10 o'clock every weekday here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan and also wherever you get your podcast. This was Elliot on the latest Jeff Merrick show on where the Flames are in their coaching search. I think yep. they're going to begin their second phase of interviews pretty soon. I think it's going to be four or five uh, candidates, second uh, round. Um I think that they're, I think what Calgary's looking at is like someone who's a bit fresher, maybe not someone who hasn't, maybe, I, I don't think, like, I think it's possible it's someone who doesn't have any experience. I also think it's possible it's someone who does have at least one coaching uh, state in their past, but I don't think it's going to be anybody who's been around a while. I think they're looking a little bit okay. newer, I think is what I've heard. So that's Elliot Friedman on the latest Jeff Merrick podcast right at the end of his daily hit. Um, I don't mind that news. Like I don't mind that that categorization of four to five guys, all of the, as he say, newer variety. That likely means the two, at least two of the internal candidates and in Huska and Love would still be in the mix. Uh, 
I, I think fresh voices, yeah. new eyes, new perspectives, and not just new to the organization. Like, that's not what I mean. I mean, like, new to the position, kind of like Conroy. That's a new, fresh view on being a general manager of an NHL team, whether he's been with the Flames for the last 12 years or not. And so if they go internal or if they go a little off the board, Pascal Vincent, for instance, is not going to be Columbus's head coach. So there's another name. I think new eyes, newish to the position of NHL head coach. I think that's the way they need to go. So I like to hear that news from Elliot because I it's a brand new first-time general manager. I think you want to build with a coach who's in a similar spot. So you've got this opportunity to not be two years and out, and and you can grow together with the head coach as a tandem. Um, and I know like similar to Dubis and, and Keefe, and I know that didn't bear ultimately the fruit they wanted, but something similar to that where, hey, this is my guy. It's my first hire in my first year. We're going to be a tandem going forward. I think something like that is, I think, that's what Trey Living and Peters were supposed to be right. before things went off the rails with with Bill Peters and 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 obviously the right decision was made there. But something like that type of tandem where you can be together for more than just a couple seasons, that to me is really important here. Yeah, this is Craig Conroy's chance, and, and obviously he's going to have the rest of the hockey ops department providing their input on this decision as well, but. This is Craig Conroy's chance to go find who he thinks the sort of rising star coach is or, or the guy who lost his seat at the coaching table that should be in there. You know, we heard the name Travis Green. That that would be a guy who, and please don't mistake this as me vouching for Travis Green, but that would be a guy who fit the criteria that Elliot just talked about, a guy who maybe needs a second chance. You you mentioned Pascal Vincent, a really fascinating name in the sense of, I think he put a decade in in the Winnipeg Jets organization, whether that was as, assistant an and assistant then and yep. then head coach of the Manitoba Moose. So he knows the Canadian market for, for a long, long time. It seemed all signs were pointing towards him being the next head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Apparently that's been... Uh, <clears throat> updated with uh Mike Babcock soon to be hired and and so yes you you look at those internal candidates Mitch Love, Ryan Huska, you're going to hear talk about Alex Tongay, I think that there's going to be more buzz there whether it's Vincent, whether it's Travis Green. It's going to be somebody who hasn't been a head coach in the NHL based on what we just heard from Elliot for yeah. 25 or 30 years and that's the right way to go. Especially yep. with a new GM. You don't need Gerard Gallant telling Craig Conroy how to do his job. You have a chance for, for two guys sort of on the cusp to get that experience together. Uh, it's Pat and Wes along with you. This hour of Flames Talk is well underway on a Monday. We're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. They're your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystemscalgary.com. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right. 
First of all, happy 30th birthday to Jonathan Huberdo. He turned 30 on Sunday, which means he'll be a, uh, a youngish 30 when his franchise record contract kicks in on July 1st. He'll still be a youngish 30 when his season begins. Ironically, youngish 30 is how I still try to describe myself. I feel when I do it, it's like, uh, do you, uh, you ever see the British version of The Office? Yeah. And uh, David Brent would say, so how do you... Thirties. I'm thirties. Aren't you thirty? Thirties. I'm now a youngish. I'm a, I'm a youngish thirty-nine now. So I'm oh, really Yeah, nails nails are on the chalkboard. Thirties. You're still in your thirties. Yeah. Gotta keep on youngish thirty-nine. So Jonathan turned thirty on Sunday, which means the Flames need some really productive years out of him in the next three or four seasons. And they need to go out of there. This is not, if, if Conroy's listening right now, I don't think that we are telling him anything that he doesn't know, but they need to go out of their way to make Jonathan Huberdeau a productive player in the next three to four years. Because we always knew that the final three years or whatever it is were, were going to be more risky for a guy like him because the contract's going to take him to the age of 37, 38, right? So we knew that. But after his first year was maybe his worst year in his entire career, they can't afford to also have down years as the franchise record contract begins. I don't think that I'm speaking out of school when I say these things. I think every Flames fan is apprehensive about the way this is going to turn out. And so if the Flames opted to go out of their way to make him... (laughs) To, to, to really cater to him being a more productive player over the next few years, I think they'd understand and be fully on board. Craig Conroy is not furiously scribbling that down. Get more out of Jonathan Huberto. I, I, I hope he is, because I don't know. He seemed pretty out of it in his news conference. i kidding. He, that, he even addressed that. Absolutely. That he, he's very aware of how important getting the most out of and I like I I was actually really impressed with the way Conroy commanded a lot of tough questions at his introductory news conference and some of those tough questions were about Huberdo I think it was Donna at the the Canadian press who asked him about you know Jonathan losing his swagger and I, I thought Conroy handled that question very well like he knows that they cannot afford to have $10.5 million over the next few seasons and 55 points. It's So whether it's an acquisition, whether it's dialing in on the right players to play with, whatever the case may be, they need that from him, and they, they need to go out of their way to make it happen. Well, let's dive in, because as you alluded to, it, it's a list, but what what is the biggest key what what is the most important thing what do you have to do Man, to get Jonathan Huberto going to me there's it's a three-pronged thing okay so I guess I'll, I'll give you the prongs and you choose choose which one you want to tackle first okay so you've got the right coach getting him with the right personnel that's on your team right now and then identifying outside personnel who might be able to give him a kick in the pants those are the three prongs that I think they need to investigate fully on on all sides. And, and I want to add a, a fourth prong that I, I think, you know, there's some overlap with what you talked about, but the other one for me, and maybe I'll just start on this one, the other part for me is getting your power play going. And 
I think that one of the reasons the Calgary Flames missed the playoffs, one of the major reasons the Calgary Flames missed the playoffs this year was a disappointing power play. Disappointing statistically, I I believe 19.8%. Bottom half of the league tied for 19th, I want to say, in that category. It's a, a little bit of a chicken and egg scenario in the sense of Jonathan Huberto struggled to put up points because your power play struggled to score at the right moments. And yet your power play struggled to score at the right moments because Jonathan Huberto wasn't enough of a contributor to it. Jonathan Huberto had 15 points on the power play this season, four goals and 11 assists. I think the, the worst thing that I could say about the flames power play or the worst description that you could give a power play. And I would give it to the flames power play from this past season is they were predictable. And a big reason that they were predictable is that you knew Jonathan Huberto was so rarely going to shoot the puck. He was always trying to make that crossing pass. And he so seldom hit on it because everyone knew it was coming. How many, how many power play points did he have this year? 15. He had 38 the year before in Florida. I mean, 15 Almost doesn't... Almost three times as many. 15 is the lowest number of the five regular guys on the Flames' top unit. Tyler Toffoli had 25. Rasmus Anderson and Elias Lindholm had 21 apiece. Nazem Kadri had 19. Jonathan Huberto can't be the extra part on your top power play. Yeah. And so I think a big part of that is selling the shot more often. You know, I was thinking actually, as we were brainstorming for this topic, I was thinking about Johnny Gaudreau and I think Jonathan Huberto probably has a better shot than Johnny Gaudreau. I think a lot of scouts would tell you he can certainly put more velocity on it. Yet Johnny Gaudreau always had that threat that he was going to bank it off the goalie's ear hole short side, and that helped him to sell that cross-seam pass yep. as often as he did. Jonathan Huberto this season was not a threat to connect on that cross-seam pass because they always knew it was coming. And so I we've got three more prongs to get into, all good ones, but I just wanted to start with that one because I think, and it's going to start with personnel as as you mentioned it's going to have a lot to do with the coaching hire they're going to bring in a new power play but that's one for me that is an absolute key to getting more out of your prime years of Jonathan Huberto is this has to be a guy who piles up points on the man advantage well and I think that plays mostly into or 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 of the three prongs that I mentioned the one that it overlaps the most with is is the coaching one yeah because who is the new coach going to be what type of brand of hockey does that coach want the Flames to play? And who's the guy who's going to be in charge of the power play? Is it going to be Kirk Muller again, or is it going to be somebody else? Do they go out and bring in, as part of a new coaching staff, somebody else to run the power play? So that, I think, goes... And and I don't think that you ever hire a coach for one player. I don't think you ever hire a coach for a group of players. But I do think there are certain players in every organization that are important enough that at the very least, the way that they fit into the way a coach wants to play is important enough to make your to, to influence your decision to some extent. And so if they if Conroy were to give Huberdeau a call and be like, what what do you think would 
be the most important thing bringing in a new coach. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. The same no. way I don't think there's anything wrong with Conroy sitting down with Lindholm and saying, hey, you know, if, as, as we talk about potentially a long-term contract extension, what do you want to see in a new head coach? That doesn't mean that you take it all to heart and do everything that player says. Hell, you might not listen to any of it, but at the very least you engage them and get the information, and, and that information gathering is important. Yeah, like we're not talking about, hey, Jonathan, who do you want to hire as coach? Oh, well, I had this great coach yeah, exactly. in, in Adam named Mark. Let's hire Mark. That, that's not what we're suggesting here, but we're talking about an $84 million investment. We're talking about one of, if not the biggest underachiever, not only on your roster, but perhaps through the entire NHL this season. You need more out of Jonathan Huberto. And if Jonathan has ideas on what sort of coach can get him back to that level, yep. you'd be crazy not to ask him for those. Exactly. So I don't know what the answer is in terms of exactly who he's... I don't know what the, the secret recipe is. Is it a more creative coach like perhaps an Alex Tongay could be? One of the few guys in the history of the Flames organization who has had that sort of vision on the ice, who who can relate to what it's like to be one of the best playmakers in the business. Is is it a guy like that? Is is it a guy like Ryan Huska who has some familiarity with him, not as his position coach, not as his special teams coach, but is there perhaps a relationship there that he can pick up on? You look at what Mitch Love did with the Calgary Wranglers power play this season. Obviously, he's implementing a very similar power play to what the Flames were using, but how was it executed? What can you take away from that? You know, we talk about Pascal Vincent. If part of your lens of who is the next head coach going to be isn't what are you going to do with Jonathan Huberdeau? How are you going to get more out of our most talented player then you're completely missing the mark. Yeah. Um, one of those prongs was the players on the team right now. How do you use them best with the group that's assembled? Let's assume, just for the sake of this conversation, that the exact same team comes back next year, which it won't, but of the group of play, like he basically played with every center last year. Backlund was a center, Kadri was a center. Uh, and and Lindholm was a center at, at different long stretches of time. Did he play with anybody else? Those are the those are the three centers that he played most extensively with last year. And and yeah, I mean those were your three centers all season with a rotating cast. Of uh, yeah, exactly. Rooney, Lewis, yeah, Ruzicka. Well, now I'm trying to think if he ever played with Ruzicka. Certainly not for a an extended. Yeah, I don't of time. think so. So. Did we ever get a feel as to who he played best with? Well, my feel was that the guy he played worst with was the guy that they tried to make it work with for the longest amount of time. Lindholm? No, Nazem Kadri. Yeah, I agree. That there I just agree. wasn't. And, and I don't know that you can't circle back at some point and see if there might be some chemistry there, but we did not see any chemistry out of those two for a very long stretch of this season. And I know one of the criticisms, one of the popular criticisms of Daryl Sutter was that he never went back to 
Huberto and Lindholm. We we saw that experiment sort of end when Jonathan Huberto missed two or three games due to injury in November. Yeah, that's when we saw Adam Rzichka go on that line when Jonathan Huberto came back and Rzichka was playing so well as a top line winger. That's when we saw Huberto put into a new spot in the lineup, but and. He never went back, uh, Daryl Sutter, I'm referring to, never went back to say, okay, well, could there be something here with Lindholm and Toffoli? Should we try this again? So I don't know. I don't even know if Elias Lindholm is going to be on the roster to start this season. Obviously, that's one of the big things on Craig Conroy's to-do list. But, geez, they're just, to me, there did not seem to be a lot of hints of chemistry there with Nazem Kadri as the center, I think you need to try something new. They tried to, they, they really tried to square peg round hole, the Huberto Kadri thing. And he was playing on the right. And that's another thing like play him on the left wing. I think that we know that. Yeah. I don't think we ever need to see Jonathan Huberto on the right again. That's just not, I, I think Jonathan would, if, if, if Jonathan was listening right now, I think that he'd be nodding his head. Yep, I don't need to play on the right side again. He didn't like it there. It didn't work there. He was better on the left. So I th- I would absolutely give it 30 games with Lindholm. If, if you still had Lindholm, if you're going Lindholm between Huberto and Toffoli, I'd give that time. I really would. And, and that was one of... One of my bigger frustrations this year was that they they didn't go and or didn't go back to that, especially when it was clear in the final few few months, even weeks, that a bit of a spark or a shakeup was very much needed. Yeah, and I think so much of that was Daryl Sutter not having a lot of trust in Jonathan Huberto defensively. That that Lindholm to Foley duo especially as the season wore on. They tackled a lot of tough defensive assignments. Mm -hmm. Naturally, Elias Lindholm was a Selkie Trophy finalist last season. So yeah, you're putting those guys out in in shutdown situations. Tyler Toffoli is a guy that we know Daryl Sutter always really trusted on on both sides of the pocket. And I think that probably prevented him from going back there was he didn't have that same trust or faith in Jonathan Huberto defensively. The other option is to go find somebody via trade, potentially via free agency, although you have both limited targets and limited finances to work with there. But that's the other option is, is go find somebody that you look at specifically as an option to play with Jonathan Huberto, but he needs, he needs talent. He, He needs talent around him. He needs finishers to play with. And, Elias Lindholm and Tyler Toffoli are their best finishers, so probably start there. The other, uh, the, then the other angle is like, is there anybody out there? And I haven't dove too deep into this. The first name that comes to mind is is Duclair because they played together in Florida, and I think right. it's a, I like it's obvious, but I also think it's a fair one. Yeah, uh, and he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year, so that's one that I could absolutely see making sense. Duclair and Huberdo. If you put um, the the right the right center between there, who the hell knows who's going to be playing center for the team this year? Because two of the three gave non-committal answers in April, so we don't know what Backlund's future looks like. We don't know what Lindholm's future looks like down the middle for this team. But yeah, declares that kind of speedy guy that plays with a little bit of jam. That that maybe that's exact. Or or is there somebody else like that? 
that you can target or find on the open market or via trade? Is there somebody else? Because I think that somebody who plays with a little bit of speed that can open up a little bit more space and maybe like Kadri's game is not a speed game. Lindholm's game is not a speed game. And those guys, the way that they play, don't necessarily open up a lot of passing lanes because of their speed or their ability to drive nets and stuff like that. So maybe maybe there is, and I, again, I haven't done a lot of deep dive into it, so there's nobody that's coming to my head right away that I know is an unrestricted free agent or could be available via trade, but I just, I do think that there are certain guys that, that mesh well with a player of Huberto's skill set. Yeah, and the the failed experiment with Jonathan Huberto on the right side hurts in that scenario because those guys are even harder to find on the right side of the puck, right? That your list of of stud level scorers who might be available in the summer is pretty small. Alex DeBrinket. Your list of stud level players who might be available in the summer who happen to shoot right-handed might be Alex DeBrinkett yeah. and Elias Lindholm. Yeah. Hard to find. And so the Flames might need to get creative, but it absolutely needs it, it can't be you can't piecemeal it. You can't you can't necessarily be looking for just a bounce back candidate there. You can't be taking a flyer on a guy. You can't think, you know what, we're just going to give that job to Matt Coronado who's played one game in the NHL and let him run with it. If he wins it in camp, fine. But you need to go into the fall with an idea of who's yeah. playing with Jonathan Huberto, and it can't be a guy who has a ton to prove. It's got to be a commodity. Fascinating. You know, it's, again, Lindholm is the most, I think, pressing priority. Hannafin's right there with them because of their circumstances. Obviously, they need to get themselves a coach, and that. I think we're in the pocket of being a week or so away. Like it feels like we're in that kind of getting close sure. type thing and they got a draft, but outside of Lindholm and maybe Hannafin unlocking more of Jonathan Huberto, the number one player personnel priority for the flames this year. If you ask me or this summer, if well, you ask me. well, the difference between Huberto and Lindholm or Hannafin or Toffoli or Michael Backlund you know where Jonathan Huberto's future is. He's mm-hmm. signed for eight more years. thousand percent. 10.5 million, the largest contract in franchise history. And so, yeah, you need to figure out what those other guys are thinking in terms of where they might be a year from now or, or 13 months from now. But Jonathan Huberto and getting him going is key to th- how this franchise is going to fare for several years to come. He is Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll do it for this hour of Flames Talk. Our producers this hour have been Taylor Dingman and Cameron Hughes. My name is Pat Steinberg, and that'll wrap us up on the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask how a restricted key system can keep your business safe even through employee turnover. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.